My biggest fear was I had this on while we were singing. <laughs> that would have been a disaster. My name is Jim McLaughlin. I'm an elder here, and somehow I have been chosen to speak this morning. We suppose that's God working, we hope. And our message today is the Word of God for the people of God. And I want to start with a quote from J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God. He was discussing things that are hard to believe in Scripture, like the atonement, how the death of one man can save everyone who says yes to it, the resurrection, the virgin birth. And he says, but the real difficulty because of the supreme mystery with which the gospel confronts us does not lie here at all. It lies not in the Good Friday message of atonement, nor in the Easter message of resurrection, but in the Christmas message of incarnation. The reality staggering Christian, the really staggering Christian claim is that Jesus of Nazareth was God made man. That the second person of the Godhead became the second man, determining human destiny. The second representative head of the race. And that he took human, on humanity without loss of deity. So that Jesus of Nazareth was as truly and fully divine as he was human. This is the real stumbling block in Christianity. It is here that Jews, Muslims, Unitarians, Jehovah's Witnesses, and many of those who feel the difficulties above mentioned about the virgin birth, the miracles, the atonement, the resurrection, have come to grief. It is from misbelief, or at least inadequate belief, about the incarnation that difficulties at other points in the gospel story usually spring. But once the incarnation is grasped as a reality, these other difficulties dissolve. How true. There are a lot of, we think about questions that we might have, and I think I have a slide listing those questions. Questions about belief. Do you believe in the virgin birth? As set forth in Matthew, quoting Isaiah 7, 14. Do you believe in the resurrection, for example. Keep, keep going, Neil. Just pop them all up there, if you can. Okay, they didn't show up. Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe in the atonement? Do you believe in the virgin birth? Do you believe in these kinds of things? And I put those questions up because... There was a man named Dr. William Evans. He was a pastor, and he was pastor of College Church in Wheaton, Illinois, in 1906 to 1909. And as he got older and retired, he was a man of great accomplishment. He, he, he memorized the entire Old Testament and the entire New Testament in the King James Version. Think about that. He also memorized the entire New Testament in the New American Standard Version of the Bible. And he wrote over 50 books. His son, Lewis, was senior pastor at uh, Hollywood Presbyterian Church for many years. And uh, when 
Dr. William Evans, affectionately known as Dr. William, retired, he moved to California to be close to his son, Lewis. And when Lewis was out of town, Dr. William would often substitute, like I'm substituting for Brad Talley today. And uh, one Sunday morning at Hollywood Press, Dr. William stood up to preach. And he said, do you believe in the virgin birth? He said, well, if you don't. And he took his Bible and he ripped those pages out and threw them on the floor. Then he said, do you believe in the resurrection? Well, no problem. We'll rip that out too. And he ripped that out. And he proceeded to rip out all the scriptures and throw them on the floor that dealt with anything supernatural, anything that would be considered a miracle. And when he got through doing that, he said, well, all we got left is the Sermon on the Mount. And if that was not preached by divine Christ, I have nothing to do with it. And he says, therefore, I'm going to announce the benediction and we can go. And at that time, huge congregation, man in the back said, no, no, Dr. William. Don't stop. We want to hear more. And then he went on to preach for 50 minutes on the virgin birth. Well, I thought about doing that. <laughs> and I said, but if I tore the Bible up and threw it on the floor and then said, it's time for the benediction, everybody would be saying, we've beaten everybody to lunch today. <laughs> so so I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Uh, but you know something? Dr. William was right. We cannot pick and choose from the Bible what we want to believe. The Bible does not present itself that way. Besides, it has no power if you or I become the arbiter of what is true and what is not true. Today's scripture that we're going to look at is clear. And I'm hoping that we can get that up. Yes. Please stand as we read God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. Paul says to Timothy, You, Timothy, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet, the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God for the people of God. You can be seated.
Our focus this morning is going to be on verses 14 through 17, but uh, it seems that 10 through 13 give us context that I think is important. Uh, And obviously, verses 10 through 13 could be a sermon in and of themselves, but I'm going to get you to lunch on time, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, But I will use Kent Hughes' fairly short summary of 10 through 13 to provide our context for verses 14 through 17. As we look at 10 through 13, we see the Apostle Paul pointing Timothy to remembrance as an essential reason for remaining in the gospel uh, by relying on and remaining in the scriptures. And we know that Timothy took it to heart and ran the race well. What did Paul tell Timothy to remember? Well, there are several things. I think I have a slide on that. Uh, Paul's lifestyle uh, would be one thing that he had him remember. His, his, that would be his teaching, his conduct, his way of life, his aim in life, purpose. All this validated what Paul taught, and this gave Timothy eternal purpose. Paul's virtues, uh, his faith, his patience, his love, his steadfastness or endurance. Wow. That would be a sermon, wouldn't it? Right there. Timothy remembered and held them as his own standards. Paul's persecutions, especially those in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and how the Lord rescued him each and every time. You know, the Lord always rescues us. Many of us have been rescued many times. And Paul ultimately was, had the final rescue. And that's why he's with Jesus today. That's the real rescue for us as believers, going to be with him. And then we have the axiom set forth in verses 12 and 13, which tells us that everybody who, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everybody. You know, a couple of weeks Two or three weeks ago, we had uh, six high school graduates standing up here as Ricky uh, sent them into their next phase of life. And as I was studying for this, this message this morning, I thought of those six young people because Paul is concerned about young Timothy. And what's his main concern for young Timothy? That he run the race, that he stay committed, that he finish well. Times are going to be tough. I thought of those six high school graduates, and you know they need Pauls and Paulines in their lives. They need people whose lifestyles, whose virtues and deportment bring them to remember from whom they have learned. And we need to be those Pauls and Paulines in their lives. You know, they're going, some of them are going off to college. One of them's going off to New York to college. What's he going to hear? What's he going to hear professors in the classroom say about the Bible not being true? They need to remember from whom they have learned. But our focus is on 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. And 
you see what Paul says to Timothy? He says, but, but it's for you. You're not one of those imposters. You're not one of those deceivers. You have not been deceived. He says, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know from whom you learned it. And we could ask this question. From whom has Timothy learned it? Well, we read verses 10 through 13 to make it clear that he has learned a lot from Paul. Right? The Apostle Paul was his mentor. His apostle, the Apostle Paul trained Timothy, taught Timothy. But we also learn in the scriptures that Brad read this morning that he learned from his grandmama, Lois, and his mama, Eunice. So there are at least three people being referred to here, and probably more, but certainly Lois, Eunice, and Paul. And you know, some of us in this room were not so privileged to have a mama who would teach us the scriptures. But we had other folks. And as I was studying for this, I thought about people that God put in my life to get me to the gospel. And it happened later in life because I was not raised in a Christian home. And I, and I thought about those people. And, I, and one that came to mind was a, was a man who's now, now deceased. He's with Jesus. He, he, he's from Asheville, North Carolina, of all places. And he was a preacher, a pastor, a man of God at Emmanuel Presbyterian Church in Thousand Oaks, California. Roger Merriweather, a proclaimer of the gospel. Par excellent. Then I thought of when we started this church, the first person we paid money to preach <laughs> was Ricky Mill. We learned from him. And then I thought of our current teaching elder, Brad Talley. We learned from Brad. We've been blessed with men who know the word. And then I thought, well, you know, for a season, we had a young man named Sean Cross. And we learned from him. He would stand up here and the wisdom was amazing. And then I thought, wow, how about David Calvert? David stands up here and when he preaches, we hear the truth. We hear wisdom. And then for a short time, we've had Ricky Lee. And I think Ricky's preached a few times. He's got wisdom. We have men who teach us. And we have, you know, I lead a home group like many of you do. And it's sort of ridiculous to think that I'm leading my home group. My home group has more wisdom in it than I have. Easily. We, we have Jim and Joy Acock. What did I say? We have Jack and Suzanne Lucas. We have wisdom in our group. And yet I'm called by God to lead them. And I feel inadequate but privileged. And then I think, wow. I get to meet usually twice a month with a group of elders who have wisdom. And I think of Bert and Scott and 
as Deborah would say, Mike, and Lee, Chris, Brad meets with us. I learn from these, these men. And sometimes we meet jointly with the deacons. I learn from these men. God puts people in our paths. And we would ask, who's on your list? Paul's telling Timothy, remember from whom you have learned. And that will keep you in the gospel and in the scriptures. So, from the lips of his mama, and I guess we would call Lois the grandmama in the south, Mama L, something like that. And from Paul, Timothy heard the pure gospel doctrine. From their lives, he saw it lived out. And the result was he became a believer. And he tells us in this, look what he says. He tells us reasons why we should stay in the Scriptures. He talks about the ability of the Scriptures in verse 15. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Well, what else do we know about the ability of God's Word? Well, we start with Genesis. Good place to start. And what do we know? He spoke. And it was. He created the universe by his word. What else do we know? He called the people of Israel together at Sinai by his word. Lazarus was raised from the dead when Jesus said, Come out, the word of God. Personally, what do we all know? The Word is so powerful that when we read it and study it, we meet God. When I was 33 years old, I was reading God's Word. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. And I got to that word belief. And, it, and, it, and I learned by reading Hodges' commentary, sometimes commentaries are helpful, <laughs> that it meant more than, okay, you believe it. No, you've you got to trust in it, rely on it, commit to it. And when I read that, the Holy Spirit turned the light on. And I said, oh, I have never done that. And God saved me in my living room by myself. Studying his word. The word is powerful. We know that Abraham was called by the word. The apostolic church was called into existence by the word. Throughout redemptive history, what do we see? We see God creating, cursing. What did Jesus look at the fig, fig tree and what, did he, what happened? He cursed that fig tree and what happened? It died. Calling, converting, gathering, blessing, equipping, threatening, and promising. By the word. What else do we know? Well, we know that the scripture does not tell us everything we might want to know about everything. But it does tell us everything we need to know 
about the most important things. God has not told us everything he knows, you know, but he's told us everything he wants us to know. And it gives us what the internet cannot give us, wisdom. Look at this quote from Kevin DeYoung. The purpose of Holy Scripture is not ultimately to make you smart or to make you relevant or make you rich or get you a job or get you married or take all your problems away or tell you where to live. The aim, get this, is that you might be wise enough to put your faith in Christ and be saved. That's the purpose of Scripture. And Isaiah 55 tells us what? God's word never fails to accomplish his purpose. It never returns void. And when Paul, writing under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That word for God-breathed, you see it there. It's not one of the words I was taught to pronounce in South Georgia growing up. Theo equals God. Nuestos equals breath. Literally all scripture is breathed into by God. That's pretty powerful. The early church believed the same thing. We could look at dozens, maybe more scriptures, references, where we see Peter in particular and Paul and then the Old Testament and the New Testament where scripture is being referred to as the word of God and God breathed and God wrote it through men inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's clear that Paul here in writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is telling us that all of this is God's word and all of it is true. Not part of it, not the parts we like, even the parts we do not like are true. Look at uh, 16b. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Yes, Scripture is useful. It's useful. For what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The first two words, teaching and rebuking, refer to doctrine. When the scriptures are taught accurately, we get pure doctrine. And when the doctrine is pure, the word is taught. And what happens? Rebuking occurs as a matter of course. When you hear God's truth, when you read God's truth, aren't you convicted often of what that truth teaches you? The second two, the correcting and training in righteousness, that's talking about conduct. So first two, doctrine. Next two, conduct. And what does it say? It tells us all Scripture is useful. If we had the whole verse up there, all Scripture is useful. And Kevin DeYoung in his book, 
taking God at his word, which I recommend highly. The men at the, at the prayer breakfast are studying that book. Uh, it's a very little short book. I think you can get it for your Kindle or those things, you, you know, those electronic things. I don't know how to operate for like $2.50, okay? So, I mean, Taking God at His Word by Kevin DeYoung. Uh, in, that, in that book, we've already had one quote from it. He also talks about 2 Timothy 3, 16. And he says, when Paul tells us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. He means all Scripture. And he says, this, this is going to offend some of us. I've already been offended by reading it, but it's okay. That, this should put to rest this red-letter nonsense. How many times have you heard or said, well, here's something in red. This is Jesus. This is really important because Jesus said it. Well, you know, if Jesus said it, it is important. <laughs> but what is Kevin DeYoung saying? If it's in that book, it's important. All of it. All of it is God-breathed, not just the red-letter portion. So he thinks we ought to put that nonsense away. Of course, when Scripture is taught for rebuking, it's taught rebuking comes about and when we take the teaching of Scripture seriously, we grow. You see, God breathed, the God-breathed Word is useful for all of life, all of doctrine, duty, creed, conduct, you name it. It's good for it. And lastly, look at this. It equips. Scripture equips so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, this is really gender neutral. The man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But here's what you can't see in the English translation that I find interesting. In the Greek, Paul actually uses an adjective and a participle here. Uh, we, we might put it this way to get the full meaning. The man or woman of God is super equipped by the word of God. The man or woman of God is super equipped by the word of God. And get this second part. And the man or woman of God is a man or a woman of the Bible. I feel some rebuking come into me. Because while I can be super equipped, what must I do? I must read it. I must study it. I must meditate upon it. Much, much more than I do. And that's probably true for some of you. Because, you know, we talked about Dr. William Evans tearing it up and throwing it, throwing it around and shocking everybody. 
we could just as easily have a pristine. In fact, we do. Look. This Bible looks like it has hardly ever been used. I wonder who that belongs to. It's a new one Pastor Brad bought or got, given to him probably. He doesn't spend money. <laughs> if it sits there and all we do is dust it off every once in a while so that when people come over they don't see the dust on it, it's useless. If we rip the pages out because we don't believe half of it or two-thirds of it, it's useless. So it doesn't matter whether you, you tear the pages out or you don't open it. you got the same problem. You're not mining the riches that God has given us in his word. And we need to do that. John Calvin, the great reformer, preached in Switzerland and he took, he took this scripture to heart. He says, we must not pick and cull the scriptures to please our own fancy, but must receive the whole without exception. I remember being a member of a church, and they, we got Sunday school materials, and I was a Sunday school teacher. And whenever they got to anything dealing with the doctrine of election, <laughs> they skipped it. <laughs> they, they, they wouldn't even put that in the, in the Sunday school materials. Look, it's all true. You can't skip it. It's all true. Calvin would preach every Sunday morning on the New Testament. Sunday afternoon, they met again, and he would preach on the New Testament or from the Psalms. During the week, they met every day, and he preached on the Old Testament. He preached from every book in the Bible more than once. He preached from some books in the Bible over 180 times. But see, he believed you cannot pick and cull the Scriptures. He must have been from the South because that cull is a Southern word, is it not? To please our own fancy, but must receive the whole without exception. You know, when Dr. William Evans, well into his 80s, he was old as Jim Acock. And he made it through the sermon. Over 50 minutes long. Stood among the, the strewn pages of the Bible that he had ripped out on that Sunday morning. Many, many years ago now. He was surrounded by the elegant mahogany nave of Hollywood Presbyterian Church. But he had made his point. Either all of Scripture is God-breathed or none of it is God-breathed. Either it is useful or either it is not useful. It either equips or it does not equip. I guess if there's one thing that I want you to hear this morning, it would be, you know, we live in a world where this stuff is considered foolishness. People think that if you believe the Bible, you're crazy. Some of us are in academia, as we say. And trust me, 
we're really crazy in academia if you believe the Bible. Because I, I had a good friend of mine one time when something really bad had happened. I said, well, let's pray about that and give thanks. He said, what do you mean give thanks? Something bad happened. I said, the scripture says give thanks not only in all things, but it also says give thanks for everything. Now, that's a, is that a puzzler to us? Of course. We have experienced a tragedy less than 200 miles from us. We're nine Christian brothers and sisters were killed. Now, they were killed by a crazy man. But you know what's going to happen. You know what the, what the thing's going to be. And, and Brad talked about earlier when he mentioned the loving response of that congregation. I, I was reading the paper yesterday, and I was amazed. Those people are true believers. And they were offering forgiveness to the killer, yet right after this happened. Because Scripture tells us we must forgive. Because we have been forgiven of much. We too must, be, must forgive. And they're doing that. But we live in a day and time where our culture tells us, surely you don't believe those things. You know, when we presented that amendment about marriage to our Constitution a few weeks ago, we had visitors in the audience. One of those visitors, as I was up here presenting that, when we prayed, and as I, as I was leaving the stage, that visitor got up and walked out. And I knew why. His wife remained. And his wife said, does he really believe that? Yes. We believe that because it's in God's Word. And if the day ever comes that we don't believe what's in God's Word, Burn the building down. Test everything you hear, everything you read, everything you see. Test it. Because, brothers and sisters, we hear a lot of stuff. And it can seep into us. And it can pollute us. Test everything. By the word of God. The world rejects it. It's foolishness. But for us, it is the source, the only source of all wisdom. And it's our authority in all matters. And 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's coming. It's coming, folks. This is true. But what else do we know is in that book? I will be with you to the end. Jesus is with us. You know, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, what did he do? He quoted scripture from Deuteronomy three times to defeat the tempter. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, leaned on the sufficiency of scripture. In his hour of need. He also said. It is written. Man does not live. On bread alone. But by the very word. That comes 
from the mouth of God. If Jesus leaned on it, we lean on it. The scriptures in the Old Testament, we learned the scriptures were life to Moses and they were food to Jesus in the New Testament. They cannot be anything less to us. They are the very breath of God. They are our breath, our life, our food. Because Scripture is all this. We, like Timothy, must stand firm on it. Believe it. Continue in the gospel. Continue in the Scriptures. May God be pleased with us as we do. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that you, in your mercy and in your amazing grace, have revealed your truth to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we leave this place, may we take your word embedded in our souls, embedded in our hearts, embedded in our minds, and live by it. In Jesus' name, amen.